kids did awesome, didn't they? I thought we were going to see a worship war there for a minute. But they've, they've learned how to share as well, haven't they? I was getting worried. Do what? I was getting worried a little bit. <laughs> they, did so, they did so good. They really did. I'm very proud. And I spurred that on April line the last minute. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I thought only Tony got to use that mic. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> that would be me as well, too. Right. So our, we're talking about anxiety today, today, and one of those things is putting a microphone up to someone's face, right? <laughs> so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn Philippians chapter 4. Next week, by the way, is the week before Easter, so we're going to take a little detour from Philippians, and Casey, just so you know for the music, will be in Isaiah chapter 53. So that's where we'll be next week, Isaiah chapter 53, as we talk about uh, the suffering that Christ went through for us on the cross. But today we'll be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Speaking about defeating anxiety, defeating anxiety. No one in here knows anything about anxiety, right? <laughs> we all know something about anxiety, don't we? So I've got a few things to put up on the screen. So anxiety might look like this for you, right? So, and it might not necessarily be an office or it might not be post-it notes, but you've got so many things to do that you just cannot seem to control them, right? And re that really has... It gives an indication of what anxiety is about. It's kind of about control and feeling out of control sometimes. So sometimes we can look frazzled like this. Go ahead to the next one, Dave. And so this one just says, beware of everything. <laughs> and that's kind of true in our culture as well. You know, we're, we're told uh, so many things that we cannot do or should be aware of. And then I think there's a couple more, one more. I don't struggle with anxiety, I'm actually good at it, which we could probably all attest to. And then the final one, my anxiety gives me anxiety. <laughs> so just some things to kind of lighten this, lighten before we get into the scripture and talk about anxiety. And of course the Bible gives a remedy for anxiety as well. I mean, that's the good news today is that there's a remedy for anxiety. We have one who will take that anxiety for us. So. Our scripture today is going to be verses 1 through 9, so if you don't mind standing and for the reading of God's word, we'll be reading those nine verses, starting with verse 1, which we talked about last week a little bit, but Paul says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I treat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses 
all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank so much for the opportunity that we have to learn about worry and having a sense of anxiety. And we're thankful that the Bible addresses this in multiple places and that there's hope for us, those of us who experience anxiety from time to time and maybe are affected by it almost all of the time. And so we pray that you would help us to understand this uh, pray that you would help us to see the remedy clearly and be able to apply it our life so that we can live lives of peace as you have intended for us to do. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I was glad to be able to put up some kind of humorous things showing about anxiety, but there's been, of course, situation this, this past week. Uh, which I believe probably was caused by a little bit of anxiety, and that's the incident with Will Smith at the Oscars. And I don't know if you watch the Oscars. I do not watch the Oscars, but it's kind of hard to avoid uh, something that happened there between Will Smith and Chris Rock. And I don't know Chris Rock at all. I don't know if I've ever heard him uh, before or not. But the situation happened where at the Oscars, uh, Chris Rock, who's a comedian, was hosting the Oscars and he made a comment about Will Smith's wife and they at first kind of just laughed it off and then all of a sudden Will Smith approached the stage and approached Chris Rock and proceeded to slap him across the face and then went back to his seat and had several different things to say to Chris Rock and then later of course uh, Will Smith won the Oscar for best actor and uh, later apologized for his actions but I can't help believe that there has some anxiety in Will Smith's life, some underlying cause that caused him to do something like what he did. And anxiety can cause us to do a lot of different things, right? And to react a lot of different things. You might ask, well, what exactly is anxiety? Most of us have felt that sense uh, of anxiety. And how is it different than being concerned about something? So I, I just went to the dictionary and the dictionary definition of anxiety is it's a feeling of worry or nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. And basically, it is a concern, but it's a concern that we lose control of, kind of, right? So a concern, it's good to have concerns for people. Paul himself said that he had a concern for all the churches, and you can imagine the weight that he had upon his shoulders. But a concern is something that is left in the control of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? We're trusting him in that manner. And anxiety, or where it becomes, becomes uh, difficult for us, it becomes something that we should not ex experience is when we try to gain back control and then our mind is continually thinking about this thing, trying to come up with a solution for it. 
And of course, it can be very detrimental to our life. It really, when you come down to think about it, worry or uh, anxiety is a lack of trust in God. We're not trusting God fully in that area. And so there are, of course, several sources of anxiety, so I just wanted to talk about some of those. And it's gonna be different for every person, right? So you can be anxious about maybe getting up on stage. If I were to call someone and say, come up to stage, you know, you, that might give you a sense of anxiety. But some other sources of anxiety, first of all, is it can be, you know, there can be, I believe, physical sources of anxiety. Does anyone in here have something they call tinnitus or ringing in the ears? Yeah, if you have that, you, then you know that that can be a source of anxiety. I actually uh, began experiencing tinnitus when I first came to Freedom Baptist Church. It happened at that same time. And I was using a leaf blower that's mounted on your back, and I'd used leaf blowers before, but I think it was something about wearing that leaf blower on your back that did something to my hearing, and I began to experience this. For me, it's not so much a ringing as it is a static and it is there continually. And it's there continually. You get my drift? <laughs> it's there continually. And so when I first got this, it was a really a source of anxiety for me, a physical reason for anxiety, because I thought, am I going to have to live with this the rest of my life? And sadly, the answer is yes. But I had some people pray for me. I had my pastor at First Baptist Church pray for me. And I'm coping okay with it. <laughs> you deal with it. You learn to deal with it, right? So there can be physical uh, sources, I believe, anxiety. And there may be others as well. But another thing I put down here as a source of anxiety are relationships with people. And that's probably really a bulk uh, of anxiety-causing problems are relationships with other people and work and everything that goes on at the home. Uh, sometimes a source of anxiety can be the high expectations that we place upon ourselves and our, our feelings of having to perform, you know, for people, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, but we feel like there's this level that we must attain. If we don't attain that level, something dreadful is going to happen or people are going to think, less of me than what I think they should. And so that, our high expectations can be source of anxiety. And then one other I put down is spiritual insecurity. There can be Christians even who are insecure about their salvation. Uh, they're, once again, they're, they're gaining control, trying to pull back control and have the salvation in their head at least based upon their own performance and when they see that they don't live up to that standard, then they have insecurities about their salvation. And that shouldn't be show, so, should it? We are eternally secure. And it's not because of us, but it's because of Christ. And as you might guess, there's many, many different effects of anxiety. It can be a feeling of nervousness or jitteriness, a fearful attitude, restlessness or inability to focus, maybe a rapid heart rate, fast breathing or hyperventilation. I see some of you doing this as I'm talking more and more about it. 
probably bringing on anxiety, uh, sometimes fatigue, uh, withdrawal is something that when I'm anxious, I, I admit that I do that. I want to withdraw and where it's quiet. Uh, sometimes people who are anxious are quick to anger. They can have panic attacks in severe cases. And so once again, you know, our actions sometimes are dependent upon our levels of anxiety. And so the Bible does give us, I believe, some help on how to hope, cope with anxiety. Uh, and so we're going to talk about some of those. But before that, I, I would just like to say, um, see a doctor first. <laughs> I am not a doctor, right? So I cannot properly diagnose the physical means of anxiety that you might be having. And so go see a doctor, rule out any physical reasons. And then I'm going to list a few things from our, our text today, which I hope will help with anxiousness and having anxiety. First one, and you can clearly see where I'm going by my handout, is work toward peace with all people. Wouldn't that be a good thing to be at peace with all people and not to have any adversity between us? And I think that's why Paul brings this situation up right where he does. He had talked earlier in chapter 3 about pressing on and knowing Christ and the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And then all of a sudden he puts in this little story about two ladies within the church at Philippi, Eudodia and Syntyche. And he says, I entreat Eudodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Apparently, there is some kind of disagreement between these two ladies. And one of the greatest contributors to anxiety we have already talked about is relationship with people. So they, Eudodia and Syntyche, neither one of these have been mentioned in the Bible, or, nor are they mentioned anywhere else. Both of them apparently had been very helpful to Paul. So they had worked side by side with Paul and probably together. Both of them together had worked with Paul side by side. They labored with Paul for the sake of the gospel. And like I said, at one time they probably had worked side by side, even together, but now they were just not getting along and probably not working together at all. And you can imagine what this would cause within the church to have two ladies who could not work together. You can imagine what their lives would have been like, knowing that possibly their very close friend now they had no agreement with each other. And Paul says, I entreat you, Yodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And I, I thought how appropriate that he mentioned in that uh, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. He used that word entreat for both ladies, right? <laughs> because he's wanting to keep things equal. He's wanting to say, I'm not picking sides on this, but I entreat both of you to agree in the Lord. And so he wants desperately for this relationship, which is causing, I'm sure, anxiousness within the church to be resolved. And he even asked, he says, uh, in verse three, he said, yes, I also ask you true companion, help these women 
who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. He's asking this outside party. Now, a true companion could just be a description for one person or uh, actually commentary say that could be someone's name, true companion. Uh, but he's asking that they receive help. And basically, they are following the example that Jesus has given us to uh, reconcile with others. Did you know that Jesus gave directions and on how to reconcile with someone within the church? Well, he did in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. This is Jesus' method for two people to reconcile. And he says there, he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he re refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And so Jesus very definitely has this plan and it's very clear. Most of you have heard this before. It's very difficult to follow for us sometimes though, isn't it? It's difficult for us to go to a person who's maybe hurt our feelings and talk to them about it. It's much easier sometimes even for people to leave the church and go to another church and they've never resolved this issue. But that's, Jesus doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say to leave the church and go to another church. He says reconcile. We're commanded to reconcile. We're commanded to go through this procedure. And so it's very clear that if your brother does sin against you or your sister sins against you, you're to go to them and talk to them about that. Just you and them. Keep it private. There's no need for it to go any further than just you two. And work it out. Tell them how they hurt your feelings or what they did against you. And ask them if they knew that they had hurt your feelings or done this to you. And if they listen to you, then you've gained back your brother or sister in Christ. That relationship has been reconciled. All of this is designed to be, to make their less anxiousness in the church and a, a feeling of unity. But there is a situation where you go to your brother, you go to your sister, and they don't agree with you. They don't agree that they've sinned against you, or maybe they just don't want to admit it. But it says, in this case, take two or three others along with you. This is the place where you might want to involve your deacon or, or your pastor. And it's probably the stage of negotiations that they're at at Philippi between Yodia and Syntyche, because Paul asks that this true companion go and help them reconcile. And so you take two or three others along with you so that they witness that you have spoken to this person and uh, hopefully that will resolve everything and they will come to the same conclusion and there will be forgiveness, there will be confession of sin and forgiveness and the church can go on in unity. But even that sometimes people will reject that and if that is true, it says take it to the church. And this is very serious, right? To take something to the church. So it means like at a church business meeting or a special call meeting, you would come together to resolve the issue between people. 
And we hardly ever see this done because thankfully, a lot of uh, reconciliation is done before this step, right? But this is all part of a loving church disciplining people and keeping them within the church and helping them to see the error of their ways. And it's a very, it's a very responsible thing to do, but it's a very heavy thing to do as well, right? It's a very serious thing to do. And so you take that person before the church, if they'll come, usually in our society, they, they might not come, but you tell it to the church and hopefully they see the error of their ways and they are reconciled and everything is good. But if not, it says, uh, if he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen, even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And so the ultimate discipline is that they are no longer members of the church. But that is not the goal, right? The goal is to lovingly restore them back to fellowship in the church. And so this is a process that Jesus has given us within the church for us to reconcile with someone who has done something to us, who has sinned against us, or there's a disagreement between us. And the good thing about it is that it should happen early in the process, right? You go to that person, maybe it's a misunderstanding, maybe they didn't understand what you said and, and things got all mixed up and you straighten it out and everything, are, everything is good. And so he tells, you know, I, I believe Yodia and Syntyche are going through this process and he, he finally tells them, you know, uh, in verse number five, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. In other words, he's telling them, be reasonable about this. You know, there's a disagreement between you. Both of you need to be reasonable about this because the Lord is at hand. In other words, the Lord's coming back. And that's kind of a subtle warning, I think, to them that you need to take this serious. There's disagreement. You need to get it settled. Be reasonable. The Lord is at hand and he's coming back soon and you will want to have this resolved before he comes back. And so the very first step of having to deal with anxiousness and relationships is to work toward peace with all people, right? That's, that's what this is, working toward peace with all people. And so we, we must stay on top of this, right? <laughs> we must stay on top of this and deal with it lest there be feelings of bitterness well up within us. And we don't want that within the church. We don't want that in our own relationships. We don't want to be bitter against someone when it would be very easy to go and talk to them and would dissipate the anxiousness in that relationship. So work toward peace with all people. Now on a little more on the upside, the second one is focus on the one who gives peace. Amen? <laughs> focus on the one who gives peace. He, he flat out gives us a command. He gives them a command. Do not be anxious about anything. What a, what a command. I mean, that's hard, right? That is hard. Do not be anxious about anything. In other words, he's saying... What he's saying to me anyway, he's saying, your anxiousness is a lack of trust in me. 
don't be anxious because you are actually sinning against me. You're sinning against me because it is a lack of trust when you are anxious about all of these various things in your life. And he goes on and he gives a remedy for how we are to do this. He says, uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The key, there's, there's a couple keys. Usually we focus on prayer and that is definitely the means by which we uh, focus on the one who gives peace. But the main point that I want to make here is that let your requests be made known to God, right? Let your requests be made known to God. Go directly to the source. Go to God. Place your trust in these matters back on God where it, where it belongs to be. And of course, we do that through prayer, as the verse says. He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so in everything, we're to take it to God in prayer. And then to emphasize it, he, re he kind of repeats himself, right? Because supplication is prayer. But I think he's doing that because he wants to emphasize the importance of prayer and taking it to the Lord. But also supplications are very specific things that we are asking for, right? So he's saying... One way to deal with anxiousness is to take it to the Lord in prayer and be very specific about what you are anxious about. Let the Lord know about that. Trust in him about that. And so really what we're talking about here is a change of focus. It's a change of focus on our current situation which is causing anxiety and changing our focus to God. Does that make sense? Changing our focus from the situation and trusting in ourselves back onto focusing on God and let him handle that. And so I put down here is that our focus changes from the problem to the problem solver. Amen? Amen. Changes from the problem to the problem solver. It's our new focus that gives relief from anxiety. When we focus on God, all of our anxiety goes away. Jesus talked about this on the Sermon on the Mount. And let me just read a little bit from chapter six for you. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into leaf, into barns, um, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now I read through that, and it's kind of a long section of scripture, but there's a couple things that stand out for me. It's God, it's God who clothes the grass of the field, and it's he who takes care of the birds. It's he who takes care of all these things, and so it's in him that we should trust. It's him we should be uh, trusting for all of the things of life. And then our goal is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and we can be assured that all these other things will be taken care of. So anxiety can be very detrimental to us. But if we focus on, on the one who gives peace, anxiety can be defeated. And then we can focus on good things. Look at verses 7, at verse 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We should do this more often, right? Think about good things <laughs> as opposed to the bad. It seems like the world, the culture, is always pushing us to think about the bad, right? So if you turn on the news, what do you see? The bad news or the good news? Most of the time you see the bad news, right? There's no money in good news, <laughs> but there's money in bad news. Audiences love bad news. I don't know why we love bad news, but we love bad news. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that I have to do is monitor how much I watch the news. You know, if you were to watch it 24-7 like they would like you to watch it, we would have a terrible attitude about this world. And the same, same thing about uh, comments on Facebook or comments on other social media. If there's any kind of controversial, uh, uh, anything controversial on the internet and you look at the comments, they're just gonna devolve until they get worse and worse and worse, right? Until you know they're using expletive against each other and, and threatening violence and all those kinds of things. So we must avoid those bad things and focus on the good things. And this list, I mean, just to read through this list helps me. We are to focus on the truth. Think about that. Think about, think about the blessings of just focusing upon the truth, the truth of who God is, the truth of his love for us, the truth of Jesus and his sacrifice for us, the truth of God's word, something that we can stand upon and rest assured that it is true. Focus on the honorable instead of the dishonorable. Think about um, those who have served sacrificially in the military. Think about those who serve sacrificially on our fire departments and our teachers who don't get paid nearly as much as what they deserve and yet they are honorable, they are serving us and our kids and they're serving them well. Focus on the just. Seems like in our culture, the focus is more on the perpetrator rather than the victim, right? Sometimes, 
but focus on that which is just. Certainly God will eventually, right, make all things just. <laughs> we see injustice in our world today, but he will make things right in the end. Focus on the pure. Can't turn TV on and do that, can you? Anymore. Not really. I say less TV, more Bible. <laughs> Focus on the lovely. Think about nature. Think about the wonders of spring and the flowers and the trees and animal life all created for our enjoyment and the commendable. Think about the commendable, those things and those people who do things that are good for us. Think about those things which are excellent. You know, when I grew up, my mom said, it's not worth doing something unless you do it well. That's what she told me about everything. It doesn't seem that way so much anymore in our culture. But it is a good thing to work with excellence, to discipline ourselves. Discipline is not a bad word. Excellence is not a bad word either. We should aspire to excellence and point it out when we see it. That which is worthy of praise. That which is worthy of praise. So I wrote down some other things that were not in the scripture that might help us as well. And I'm not adding to scripture, it just doesn't happen to be in the verses that we're talking about, but what are some things that can help with anxiety as well? What are some things that we can focus on? I think physical exercise is good. Getting out for a walk is good. Seeing nature is good. Getting the blood going is good and keeps us from thinking about anxious things. Hymns and Christian music are good to focus on, amen? <laughs> so I'm so thankful for the music that we have here because we can take these songs with us the rest of the day and be thinking about them and thinking about the words. You know, sometimes I just like to go to the hymnals and look at some of the old, old hymns and read the words and the doctrine, the truth that is in those. It's just very affirming and takes my mind off of those things which I am anxious and helps me place that back under the Lordship of Christ. And then, of course, there's God's Word, the Bible. The pro probably the thing that we ignore the most is the thing that we should be meditating on the most. God commands us to meditate upon His words. It is life-changing to meditate upon His Word. And then, of course, God Himself. We must focus on God Himself. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That kind of sums up this whole sermon. You keep him in perfect peace, that would be a life with anxiety. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed or meditated on you because he trusts in you. Meditation on God's word only results in us trusting God even more. Finally, Paul says that in order to live with peace with all men and to have this, the peace of God, he says, follow his example. Follow his example. I can't believe the boldness of Paul sometimes. I, I 
find it hard for myself to say something like that. But he says, follow my example in this. And uh, I think what he's speaking of is his, his contentment in Christ. And just a few verses after what we read, actually starting with verse 10, listen, listen to what Paul says because I think it ties in with all of what we've been speaking about as far as anxiety. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for listen, listen to this, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any circumstance and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen? Amen. That's the secret. I have learned the secret of facing plenty. It's I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the example that we learned from Paul is that he had learned this secret. You know, if I have much, I am content. If, if I have very little even to eat, I am content. If I have friendships, I am content. If there's no one following me, then I am content because I have the Lord. I have the strength of the Lord. And so later on in verse 19, he says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I think so many times we think of that verse as speaking about material things. And he certainly can supply every material need of ours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But he can also provide for us an anxious free life because of his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so we are to practice these things and then the peace of God will be with you. And so what did Paul do? And what does he say for us to do here? He says we are to work toward peace with all people. We are to, through our prayers, focus on the one who gives peace, surrender to his control and his provision. We're to focus on what is good and not what is bad and follow Paul's example of contentment. Learn the secret of being content with all things and trusting in God and we will have defeated anxiousness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today and this very practical issue that all of us deal with in some way or another. All of us feel anxious at the thoughts of maybe even going to work tomorrow. There's things that are weighing on us at work and we pray that you would help us to think like Paul, to know that you provide in each and every situation that if there are difficulties at work, that you are going to be there with us and you're going to see it through with us. There may be other issues, family issues, issues within the church. All these things you have remedies for. Doesn't mean that it's easy. Doesn't mean that it's going to be with the snap of the fingers. But it is a course of action for us to take to rid ourselves of our anxiety. For some of us, we just need to have 
we need to have acceptable expectation for ourselves and not expect too much out of ourselves and, and then fail and be anxious about that, but to trust in you knowing that you have done all things for us and completed everything we need to be righteous before God the Father. And so we pray that you would help us, be with us as we sing this last song to you and help us to surrender all to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.